It's my favorite time of the week, sneaking off for a half an hour to do the Tropical NBA podcast. This week, it's going to be a real simple format. I was super jazzed about this topic, so I called the boss man, and we sat down to have a spirited discussion about what it takes to become a producer and how his thinking on that has evolved over the years. Of course, Ian's had a massive year in terms of what he's been able to ship, and I'm working on a book right now, so this topic is near and dear to our heart. If you want to read about all the links and things that we mention in this episode, you can go to tropicalmba.com slash productivity. We hope you enjoy the show. E-Man, here's a crazy little duality that I think I first read it in the, uh, the Millionaire Fast Lane. Okay. The idea is this. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to produce. Barring some very rare fringe cases, you basically get compensated for what you produce in this world. You stop consuming so it's like you stop buying jeans and you start making jeans. It's pretty simple, right? Productivity, so production, productivity, is a measure of output per unit of input, right? So by design, if you're consuming, you aren't producing, and therefore you can't be productive. Let me just stop you there. I don't like this duality between consumption of information and production of information because you hear this all the time. I'm on information overload. I'm reading too many books. I don't know how to act. All this kind. Of, I just I call BS on that. It, look, it's not a duality. It is, it's, a, it's, like, it's like, of course, it's a truism. When you're eating cake, you can't be producing. Fair Correct. enough. It doesn't mean you should stop eating cake. Well, Have your cake. What I mean to say here is that this is just an excuse uh, that people use when they're not executing. So why are you eating the cake? Why are you spending so much time eating the cake? Look, that should be the question that you're asking yourself. I know. I'm just saying that. I don't think there's anything wrong with consuming a lot of, of content, in particular if it's good stuff, right? If It's like eat your veggies, eat your podcasts, you know, eat your great books. Right. I'd maybe lay off of the uh, Sunday fun day where you're sitting there watching the West Wing. I know for- a couple things about you. So one is that, is, is that when you consume, you uh, say that you get inspired, mm. right? So I think that that helps you. It helps you be productive to consume, <laughs> right? But by, by design, you cannot be producing, as you said, if you're consuming. So you have to leave a little bit of time in your day to produce. So today we are producing a podcast in a whole new circumstance. Part of the reason we changed the format of the show, I mean, this is the first time I've been leaning back ever since yeah. we started. Oh, we got some nice couches Sitting now. in a couch, it's sort of like, welcome to the Casa de Dan. Thanks this to you. By the way, I would like never Carson upgrade here. on the couches. <laughs> if it was up to me, we'd still be sitting on the floor. Yeah, nice. Thank you. I saw you tweet some guy today about flying business class today. I was like, hey, if they had coach economy class, that's what we'd be flying every single time. Buddy. I would be. <laughs> All right, Ian, I was inspired to talk about this. I just want to talk briefly about the best productivity sort of the current evolution of all of our thoughts about productivity and becoming a massive producer in the universe. And part of the reason is that I'm on book deadline. So the 31st at the end of this month, I have to produce the first final polished draft for the team. I mean, something that could literally hit the shelves. That's the idea. And I thought a lot about, you know, I I kind of arranged this whole next week and I thought, man, I'm really doing a lot of weird stuff. Maybe we should talk about that. So let's talk about all the weird stuff I'm doing and, and get your thoughts on you've been dominating lately in terms of productivity. So we're going to talk about that too. I mean, one of the things, just before we get started, you had a big, hairy, audacious goal. 
right? The BHOG, as they say. Which was? Well, you needed to pump out the SaaS application by the end. Uh, you know, you had a, a strong deadline and everything. And, and you came to me last week during our meeting and you said, man, I got to do that again. I mean, we got to set up another big goal for Q4. It doesn't make sense for you to manage what I just did, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's talk about time real quick uh, in this context. So I think you know, time expands. If you have an unlimited amount of time, it'll take you an unlimited amount of time to finish whatever project you're working on. So this is Parkinson's Law, which, which states for information workers, as it's useful, is the amount of time a task will take is the amount of time that you give it. Yeah. And so it's found, the classic thing. I call it the I got to go to the airport at 5 p.m. principle. I just got rid Somehow of, you get it done. Somehow you get it done, somehow. right? It's like that. It's partly euphoria because you're going to go on an airplane, but it's partly like just that's what it takes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the tough part in, in all of our lives, Dan, is uh, deciding what's important to get done. You know, so it's like, oh, oh, next day, next day, next day. Right. But one of the things I found in. This is actually part of the reason why we're talking about this because I had a revelation too. I was filling up my days with like management tasks. Yeah. And then, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But what happened was we dumped this SaaS project on my desk. And then all of a sudden, for very strange, I can still get done all my management tasks and I got done with the SaaS app, right? Yeah. So it's very interesting. And so that, that kind of led me to lay down what my duties were in the company. So, you know, right now my duties are. I got to say, just, you know, email and management. And making sure things are going okay. These are all right. like gray matter that like sort of you you drop a piece of bacteria in a bowl of yogurt and it just covers the earth. It can cover yeah. your working time. You know? It'll absolutely just fill up any amount of time you, you let it take up. And somehow we we convince ourselves that it's being productive, right? right? Uh, and I think why we can convince ourselves that is it is we assume everything in our inbox is leading us to our dreams and our goals, right? And that's not necessarily the case. All right, we have a list of six working habits. What do you say we go through them really quick? Uh, these are sort of the top end, the top shelf, the 15-year, if you will, of what we're currently doing. So the very first thing, I think this is important, is asking yourself, what is your intended result? I mean, you absolutely cannot be productive if you're not tying your actions to specific results. And it's amazing how rarely people do this. Yeah, I just want to say It's this. really so, simple, right? Yeah, it, we it's started not, to get. We if it were simple, it a, we wouldn't be having a podcast about it. <laughs> I, I've gotten in this argument several times with people, and, and actually I'm, I'm probably about to get in this argument with you right You're now. You're not a very contentious person. Yeah, I know. But uh, So you nuked yourself the other day. What, mm. what is this program called? What is this nonsense that you use? We're going to get into it. It's called Mac Freedom. Okay, I just want to talk about Mac Freedom, and then we can go into the list of all the different hacks that you use and I don't use. Let me clarify what Mac Freedom does. Mac Freedom, it disables your laptop from the Internet. And this is important because it's classic for writers to have a second laptop or a computer in their homes that isn't connected to the internet. Right. Because writing is such an emotionally or if you're an American journalist, by the way, then you got to have five laptops. Exactly. And and, you know, it's such an emotionally toilsome thing. I assume you don't put yourself through this kind of self hate, buddy. But you know, writing's tough. And if you've got Facebook twenty seconds away or whatever, or just a click away, you might go there. And so what what Mac Freedom does is it prevents you from from getting onto the internet. Yeah. Okay. And the reason I don't use a program like Mac Freedom is because uh, I'm, I'm much more aligned. No, that's not true <laughs> at all. Okay. But seriously, the reason why I don't use Mac Freedom is because it's, it's just that. Like, so I actually just ask myself the question in my head. It's a little bit ridiculous, but every time I click over to Reddit, if I've been there for more than five minutes or if I go there too much, I say, is this contributing to my overall goals? 
right? And so I think Mac Freedom helps you do the same thing that I'm doing. It just does it automatically for you. I have to ask myself the question in my head and then click back over to whatever. Yeah, so in other words, you're using energy to do that. Right. So, okay, there's a backstory. though. The real reason is that you're not doing long-form creative work. And that when you do do that, it's really engaging. So look, I mean, writing a novel, sometimes that's tough to compete with Facebook, especially when maybe your sugar counts like just a tinge low or I mean, there's all these kinds of weird biological things going on. So it's in other words, it's a way to make an ascetic decision and say, you know, I wake up in, like this week, for example, I'm writing the book and I love writing the book. It's not like I have a problem with that motivation. I know it's leading me to the results that I want, the kinds of goals that I have for myself. But I wake up in the morning I firefight my inbox for a timer of, of 10 minutes and then nuked off the internet for eight hours. Yeah, this is interesting. So one of the distinctions you made, and let's call back to it real quick here, is this idea between creative work and non-creative work. Yeah. And so I think one of the tricks, you know, non-creative work in my, in my workflow, it tends to get pushed away. But I also... Can, can kind of segment it too. So one of the things that's on my list, my Monday list right now, is to fill out two hours worth of paperwork right. to get approved for this thing. You know what I mean? And well, it's just- G- David Allen actually has a really great bit about this in Getting Things Done, which he, he like separates tasks into different categories that yep. like have different sorts of energies. I remember back in the day when I started the blog, I was doing a lot of video editing, and I had found that video editing was like perfect brain-dead work for me. Right. And I even saw you do this. You do this late at night, yep. you know, maybe when you're pretty emotionally exhausted or whatever. And so it was interesting to categorize tasks that way so that you can... Yeah, and I think that's a great productivity tip. So we're getting right into it. But yeah. uh, one of the ways in which uh, you and I both... Uh, I think are more productive is exactly, I don't do, uh, you have five good hours or maybe some of us have three or one. You yeah. don't do your most productive, uh, you don't do your... Uh, Please don't video edit at 10 a.m. Yeah, in the morning or whatever. Edit, right. I don't schedule phone calls until 11 a.m. every day. In fact, if, if I would get on the phone with you before 11 a.m., you know that I'm really pumped to be on your podcast That's or something right. like that. You know, okay, so let's let's talk about what you said was the biggest productivity jump you have ever made. I don't know if you said ever, but you said this is the biggest thing that you've done Number one right now. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so number one thing that I did for myself that increased my productivity was, A, I read Work the System by Sam Carpenter. We implemented it in our business. I mean, that Because I asked you about that the other night, and you even said, man, that was the best thing we ever did. Yeah, and and here's the reason why. So what I do now is I schedule I schedule two calls and and we'll get into or maybe we'll get into it now. Uh, yeah. You should only have six people reporting to you, and okay. so on those calls I basically have those six people reporting. To so this you. is called the rule of six, and we'll, right. we'll come back to this. Okay. So the idea here, uh, and this is what worked the system helped me out with, on that one hour call that's twice a week. It, right now on my list of let's say uh, Taylor to talk to, I've got ten different things on that list, okay? right. and I've got three other calls lined up. Right, so you figure there's ten things on that list. That's ten emails, five back and forths. That's fifty emails, right? right? And I can condense all of those emails into a one hour call, right? Right, and that's on our sod, and this links up to our. Uh, this is hyper productivity stuff that we've implemented. But the idea here is that I am. Actually, because of work the system, I'm actually getting out of my inbox. Yes. And I'm getting that on phone calls at scheduled times. Beautiful. And uh, man, number one tip for me lately. Number three, the one big thing. The idea of the one big thing, Ian, is really what is the one thing that's going to move me forward in my life, my business that I can do daily, weekly? So all of our, all of our uh, reports have uh, this week's big initiative, right. a Twibby. Uh, and, and annually is generally going to be some kind of business goal that relates to a KPI, whether that's if you're a startup, maybe that's 
you know, user acquisition for Ian and I, that looks like something like revenue. And yeah, I think focusing on that's interesting. And here's something even more interesting. If it can be similar, like the more similar it is every day, I think there's a lot of upside potential there. So check out the book called The One Thing. We'll link up to it. But That's you know, really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. So basically what you're saying is like uh, on my list here, I'll just pick out another one. That two hours worth of paperwork, that's to uh, basically get a merchant account mm-hmm. with this new company that we're dealing that's with. It's like an awful task. It's awful, but it, it contributes to my overall goal, which yes. is to get the SaaS business off the ground, which contributes to my overall dream line, which is to have a SaaS business that's generating $50,000 of income per month for me personally, right? so, whatever so that might be. As a productivity strategy, this is we're getting into Jedi stuff now, man. I would not do that task. I would try to not do that task because I would want to wake up that morning and do the thing that only I can do. So in my case right now, that looks like writing. Before it looked like maybe podcasting. Before, you know what I mean? It always evolves. But there's this thing that um, the author of that book, I forget his name off the top of my head, uh, he said this idea of the domino effect. And if you can continue to build your expertise at like a very difficult creative act over and over and over again and focus on it, you can have accelerating returns. You know, so like a, a domino can knock over a domino that's twice its size. Right. And so it's like, you know, in some sense, it's like better that Seth Godin puts out a blog post every day and he like builds that asset than if it was like on Fridays I do a video and on Mondays I do a podcast and on, you know what I mean? Right. It makes sense to like double down and focus. There's another very interesting thing. Let me, let me share, let me keep on going here because I'm not out of breath. Sure. And my face is still, you know, not blue. This is, this is interesting because it relates to this. I told you that we used to wake up on Monday mornings and say Tropical MBA, hat. And then on Thursday mornings, we wake up and we say lifestyle business podcast hat. Right. So there's one unit of energy over here and one unit of energy over here. And when we made the switch over, I said, man, I feel like I added one and one and had three. Right. The first day. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm sure you can imagine. But it's this idea of the domino effect. Right. And basically what you're saying, you're, you're centering your focus, yeah. essentially, right? And so you're making it easy for you. Every time you sit down to be productive, it's towards pushing the one thing forward that you want to achieve. I think the only thing that I would say to that is uh, that's okay. Uh, you know, in our case or in my case, I've got like three of those different tracks heading somewhere. We're not sure. Well, where you're ambitious. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense that you, you kind of have to push them all along. But yes, Absolutely. I agree. Let's talk about number four because this is sort of related to that which is systematizing your relationships. And we talked about this. This is some really high-level stuff, right? Because you can be a mule, a lumberjack. You can, you, can, you, know, you can just be this martyr, hardcore working guy, like give me another cup of coffee, you know? And it cannot compare to building a team and systematizing it. So, you know, we talk about the rule of six, which is this idea. A lot of people resist building a team because they're worried about having to manage people. And here's the, the punchline. They're crazy. Well, they're crazy, number one. Number two, they're already managing people. You're already managing six people in your life. So I got this idea from reading a a book about Steve Jobs. And it said that this guy only interacts with six people. And I thought, man, I interact with six people. But that's a 10,000-person company. So is he more stressed out than I am? Well, he's playing a bigger game. But he's still got to deal with the same amount of relationships. Read an article the other day about Marissa Meyer, who's having some trouble at the beginning of her tenure at Yahoo. She had like 20 people reporting to her, and they were all log jammed. So here's the idea. You systematize the six people in your your business enterprise life that are most important to your success, whether that's a client, uh, whether that's your assistant, whether that's your accountant, whatever. You have a system for how you interact with them. It ought to probably involve the phone, and it better be weekly or daily. Right. 
Then you empower them to have their own rule of six. So it starts to look like an interesting business opportunity. Join my uh, Powerade reseller <laughs> MLM pyramid. Right. But you want to create a way that then they can have a buddy on your team. That's what something James Schramko talks about, right. uh, putting everybody on your team with a buddy. Because the, when I was reading this Marissa Maya article, which is fa- fantastic, what was happening is that those executives weren't communicating with each other. Right. So none of them knew that they were each all logjammed and that she was treating them. They thought they were being singled out by her. Right. Yeah, this is a it's huge this inefficiency. Is, this is a uh, traditional hi- kind of hierarchy thing, right? Yeah. So you see these uh, businesses and they have like the CEO and then like down below them there's like 30 people. Yes. And it's like, no, 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 no. I've seen Underneath that. Underneath there, there needs to be six people and then next to this person there needs to be six people too. I like your point though. What you said is, uh, you know, they're playing a different game. So Steve Jobs, he was having a very different conversation with each one of those six people that I'm having. Like one of the six people in my orb right now is my cat. So that kind of tells mm. you the caliber of conversations that I'm having right now in my life. That's what I like about you, buddy. You're trying to change the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is one point that you brought up, Ian. It's called, it's the fifth point, listening and leveraging procrastination. So listening to the nature of your procrastination, in other words. In other words, it can kind of be like uh, taking a temperature. If you're procrastinating a lot, there could be a bunch of reasons for that. You know, you could be doing the wrong task. You could be... The task, generally for me, it's like it's, it's too complex. You cannot like the work. Mm. I think that's a pr- pretty common one. Mm. Trying to avoid your work because you don't like it. Yes. So I think you know, procrastination is a great time to reframe. Um, part of it was we were procrastinating on the podcast a lot. And actually, we were late for like four or five weeks and we were kind of behind. And I was just like, why are we procrastinating on this? Right. And we reframed it in a way that, that we could get flowing again. Same thing with the book. Uh, I was trying to weave in my thousand day principle with my APHD principle, and I was trying to make this like weird choose your own adventure kind of thing. And I just thought, you know what? Save it for the next one, right? Because I have, I'm procrastinating. Yeah, it comes back to the why. Yeah, right? I was trying to figure out why am I procrastinating, right? Why am I on Reddit so much right now? What am I? What am I trying to avoid? And sometimes you get lost. Like, what is my intended result? Right. That's our first and primary inquiry of productivity. Is there a more elegant way I can get to the type of result? A lot of times it's like, you know, especially with like book and and art and creativity and design and stuff like this, it's like you're trying to solve like a weird undefined subset of problems, you know, like Uh it's part vanity, it's part, you know, who knows? It's just like these weird sets of rationale. So sometimes it's nice to just cut cut the crap and be like, what am I trying to do? Is there a quicker way I can get there? Is a book even the way to solve that problem, to create the result I'm trying to, you know? I think So whenever you're on Reddit, for one too long, what's your favorite subreddit that you can mention on the podcast? Uh, I can't mention any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Can't mention that or my How about Ask a Historian? That's my, uh, it's a great subreddit. It's absolutely beautiful. I love hanging out there. Front page of the internet. Yeah. Real quick, you know, I want to go over some tools. We okay. t- we've mentioned most of these, so I'll, I'll just be quickly here. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say mine. They'll, they'll be really quick. I'm the lady that cuts in front of you at the grocery store because I just have a toothbrush. <laughs> Pen and paper and phone calls. All right. Uh, and SODs. And SODs. S-O-D. <laughs> if you want to know what that is, come to this episode and you can download ours for free. It's the biggest thing we've done. You got some real tools, though. Mac Freedom. Mac Freedom's interesting because it's $10. It completely nukes your system. Unless you're like some NSA kind of guy, you cannot reactivate your internet and get back on the internet. Okay, low-tech solution. Just unplug the Ethernet cord. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So for me, I would use that like I will wake up in the morning and then nuke myself until 1 p.m. So it's like I can't do anything on the web until after lunch. Self-control 
if you don't, if you got to be in your inbox for whatever reason, you know, to be productive, you can use self-control to lock yourself out of specific domains. So Facebook's a very popular one, other social media stuff, Reddit, Hacker News. If you find yourself, well, you, you get more creative, right? After you're like, oh, you're off your favorite, you'll find yourself on like, abcnews.com slash travel or something. You can, <laughs> Local news, right? Yeah, exactly. You, it's funny how you get like, like uh, I was joking with James. I was telling him about like my Mac Freedom writing routine. I was like, yeah, if you see me playing chess on my laptop, you know why. <laughs> All right, the Pomodoro. Uh, there's so many things that allow you to do Pomodoro sprints. Here's the thing. Pomodoro is setting a time. The, the, the buzzer goes off, and within 20 minutes, you have to finish one specific task, correct? That's right. Uh, and the interesting thing about Pomodoro is it's a hack to get you to use some of these techniques we're talking about, which is if you're going to do something in 25 minutes, it has to be clearly defined. It has to be simple, and you have to know the kind of result that you're trying to achieve. Boom, 25 minutes, I'm in. Use Focus Booster app. Uh, we will link C to that. Also, be careful if you over rely on the Pomodoro kind of stuff, right? Because I want to get away from this idea that we all need to be mules. There's a more elegant way to be productive. You have to build systems, build teams, have a clear idea of what you're trying to create. Ask yourself why. I think that's the bottom line for for me in this whole episode. Hopefully that comes through. But ask yourself why. Absolutely. Focus at will. Hat tip to Sean Ogle for pointing this out to me. I'm really digging the boring, insistent music tracks. I do get in a bit of a trance mode a lot better than when I'm listening to... You know, uh, like I was listening to Mike Snow today, and it, like that's just so good. Sometimes you just kind of creep into the song. It, this is why I saw you the other day bopping your head in the uh, elevator, huh? You're yeah. really starting to get into that. That's right. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm one of those guys now, <laughs> tapping my toe all the time. Coughativity. If you uh, don't want to turn on the TV in the background, which is kind of a classic idea from Tim Ferriss, which now we've got friends doing that kind of stuff, turning on the TV. Well, I think that that habit developed a long time ago. People at home, you know. <laughs> Uh, making dinner or whatever with the TV in the background. I love using coughativity. It, it sort of creates the sound of a, of a public environment, even if you're in your private room. Uh, and finally, read Getting Things Done. Still just as relevant as always was. It's one of the most important business books that we've ever read. Me and you, were big fans of the weekly reviews. We're doing reviews, quarterly reviews. We're doing annual reviews. We're always stepping back and asking ourselves, what are we trying to do with our lives and with this business? You know, we didn't mention this, but when, you, when we talk to the annual reviews, you want to make sure that what ends up happening with a lot of people is that their businesses become a monster and they eat themselves, right? They become a slave to the revenue, to the users, to this and that, and they forget about, how does this play into my dream lines? What am I trying to do? And a lot of people say, that's wimpy. That's wimpy that you talk about dream lines. You talk about business and profitability and all this stuff. BS, and here's why. Because when people lose track of what they want for themselves, they tend to waver on their integrity, it's like, what is it that you believe in? It's the same concept that we talked about, I think, last episode or two episodes ago, which is uh, if you don't define things for yourself, the world will define yes. them for you, right? So your business defines it for you, your friends, your family, your coworkers. Your I've met a, met a lot of miserable entrepreneurs who businesses may be moving along decent enough, and they're consumed by these sort of business metrics that aren't even attached to Here's the biggest thing. There's one thing about Dreamlines. It's like, hey, I want to go yachting next summer or whatever. Or, hey, I want to learn Vietnamese. But there's a whole other thing. Is like, there's this m- way of looking at your industry and your your customers and thinking, how do I want to move them forward? You know, independent of all this, how much is dropping to the bottom line? But like, what do I want for the world? What do I want for my industry? You know. And so you see these people who are just willing to do anything to make it. I just don't understand that. 
it's no fun. It's not cool. I don't want to hear. I don't want to be in that conversation. <laughs> so I, you know, I think this is part of like we have to make sure that these things match up to like what we want in the world. I think it's going to make you a better entrepreneur. I agree. The greatest entrepreneurs are visionaries. They know what they want. They're not talking about just Mr. Drop it to the bottom line. Although drop it to the bottom line is pretty baller too. <laughs> You got to be a little bit of both, you know? <laughs> a little both. All right. We want to end the episode with one conversation because I'm flying to Hanoi in a day. And the reason is, is I'm going on a riding retreat. going to get away from all these crazy friends around here. It's not really about that, but it's just more about like switching up my environment, getting inspired, seeing something new, and focusing on a deadline. I think that that's interesting. You know, we, we go back and forth about this uh, quite a bit. I think... Generally speaking, like when I get myself in a new into a new environment, uh, sometimes I'm even less productive because I don't have everything uh, figured out, right? Like I don't know where the hot chocolate is. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is, that is, right? So I spend all my time like trying to rent a motorbike and all this stuff. This is you know location independent problems, first world location. It's a problems. it's a two way street, right? It's because, a two way street because so. you can get you can start to rely on those habits. You can like so, a lot of people are like if I, if I have a, a latte that doesn't have the right milk to choco ratio, then all of a sudden I'm going to get it in my head that I'm not going to be as productive. You get upset about that, right? Yeah. You're like, I got to sit down. With, I got to have my coffee on the left-hand side. I don't have my double monitor. I got to have all that stuff. My USB hookup to my mouse is lagging or something. The Bluetooth is off. What's going on? <laughs> so the biggest thing I find from, from this kind of retreat, uh, for me personally, is that uh, retreats tend to inspire me and like re-energize me. Because I think like innovation comes from outside, Right. So like when I go to Japan and I'm working on a project, like I find inspiration there. Yeah. And so for me, that that's what these little mini retreats are about. And and for you that might be a little bit different. But for me they're about inspiration and innovation. There's another thing though, which is the reframe. You know, you can tend to get sludged down in your environment. You know, human beings are naturally nomadic species, my friend. Interesting. Sometimes it's nice to just say, you know, I've been sitting in the same chair for four and a half weeks staring at the same double monitor setup. And you just start to sludge out where when you get on that 45-minute plane, stay in a hotel for three or four days. Uh, this is something that Chris Ducker told me. He likes to go down to a really nice hotel when he has a lot of work to do just to get a refresh, just to right. get a new perspective. I like that idea. I like shaking up your frame. And I also don't like this idea of relying on the habits to get things done. You know, like I need everything set up perfectly. Right. It's like people spend all the time setting up the home office and they sit there and stare at solitaire or something. I mean, and I, I you know – oh, I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow, I'm not going to be productive. Why? Why can't you be productive on a plane? Why don't we be Zen monks about this stuff? Yeah, and I think the key thing, Dan, here is that uh, you're not taking a vacation from your work. You're not going to Hanoi to get away from your work. You're getting, you're, you're getting up to Hanoi to be inspired and to actually work on your project. Yeah. Right? So I think that's a, that's, a, that's a key distinction that like the old class used to do, right? They used to like go on <laughs> vacations and then like come back to their work, re, re-energize, right? No, you're actually going on vacation to be re-energized about your work. Sounds fun. All right, well, I'm re-energized about... Uh this podcast. Woo! All right. I think that's it. If you guys want to learn more about what we're doing, check out tropicalmba.com and uh, we'll put another podcast up next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you there. Thank you for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. Hey, we've got tons of goodies at our website. That's tropicalmba.com. If you hop on the mailing list, we'll send you the download links to our whole back catalog. Load up your iPhone and I guarantee it's the cheapest way to fly business class on your next long haul flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning.